Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm Dale Spangler. And this week we have Moto America racer Ben Glotti. We're also excited to announce we've launched a new Pit Pass Moto store where you can show your support for Pit Pass Moto with some of our new branded merchandise. Head to pitpassmoto.com and look for the store button at the top of the homepage. This week's weekend watch is the Anaheim One Supercross from Anaheim Stadium in Southern California. Dave, I don't know about you, but this was the most incredible opening round that I've seen in years. Like so much action going on. Fastest qualifier, Malcolm Stewart. That was a big surprise. Two main event winners. Maybe not so much of a surprise, but the action was intense. Yeah, for sure. Stewart uh, is definitely one of the stories of the night and uh, qualifying first in a tough field and he was running P5, but uh, he ended up in a little altercation with Marvin Muscan and uh, that ended his evening. On the 250 side, it was the Christian Craig show to say the least. The guy just seemed like he was firing on all cylinders, couldn't do anything wrong, setting the fastest lap time in practice and then taking it through to the main to just walk away with his first win in front of his from what I think he he said, his home crowd, he's from Southern California. So big shout out to him for an amazing, amazing weekend. Him and uh, the Star Racing Yamaha team had kind of a tough night. We lost a couple riders so far. We've lost Colt Nichols. He had a bad crash in his qualifier. Likely going to be out of the Supercross season. But uh, good to see the racing uh, pro circuit rider, Seth Haymaker, bringing home second. Really, really had to fight his way to the finish because Hunter Lawrence was going to steal it away, and he finished third in the evening. Yeah, definitely intense racing there. Definitely a huge shame for Colt Nichols going out on top of the fact that Justin Cooper on the East is out for that series. Star Yamaha has definitely got to be bummed. On the 450 side, geez, you know, the depth of talent, Dave, I mean, it's it's so deep. Kind of reminiscent, the battle between Ken Roxon and, and Chase Sexton at the start of the main event. Definitely reminded me of that 86 Bailey versus Johnson battle. Battle for a top spot at Factory Honda. Unbelievable racing. At the halfway point, though, Sexton went down, and it was Roxton's for the win. And I think Sexton was probably the fastest guy in the track all weekend and uh, just had moments of brilliance, but that was followed up with tip-overs and things like that that really cost him. But quietly finishing second, not a lot of people talked about it, was Cooper Webb, your defending champ. So it was good to see him sneak it in there like he does. That's how he wins championships. Yeah, it sure seemed like starts were the big deal at this round as well. Guys that got good starts seemed to finish up front. Eli Tomac on his new star Yamaha struggled a little bit, ended up sixth. And then Malcolm Stewart, the fastest qualifier, he ended up going down as well with with uh, Muscan. So I think what could have been didn't happen for those two, but I expect more things from him, both of those guys here in some of the upcoming rounds. 
And one last notable rider was Jason Anderson, one of the guys on a new machine for the new year. Had some of the fastest lap times of the evening. I think his finish, which was 10th, didn't reflect on his speed for the evening because he had a little altercation with Justin Barsha, who parked him on a berm late in the race. So uh, we're going to keep our eye on Jason Anderson as we move into the next few rounds. Yeah, if the first round is any indication, Dave, we're in for a fantastic 17 rounds of Supercross this year. This week's industry spotlight, we want to talk about the purchase of Western Power Sports by Arrowhead Engineered Products. AEP, it's a Minnesota-based holding company, which is a private equity group, is one of the power sports industry's largest entities. They purchased All Balls Racing back in 2012, Window Rosa in 2013, and C&E Companies, which is Hot Rods, Hot Cams, Vertex in 2016. So they are the 800-pound gorilla of the industry. Along with a large holding in adjacent industries such as outdoor power equipment and heavy truck, this purchase of the largest aftermarket power sports distributor in power sports positions the company to become the direct pipeline to over 10,000 dealerships in the U.S. market. This is a significant situation for the power sports aftermarket. In the history of industry, we've never seen such a large portion of the aftermarket owned by one entity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's Moment in Moto History. Let's talk about single event winners of the Premier 450 class. There are 26 names on this list, so we decided we we're going to mention a few of them. Starting with the oldest man, still racing Supercross, Ironman Justin Brayton, who won the Atlanta Supercross in 2018. Justin's now 38, and his, uh, his plan is to semi-retire in 2023 and then see if he can hit that 200 start milestone before he fully retires. What are some of the uh, the names that stood out to you, Dave? You know, when I look at the list, it's quite long. As we said, there's 26 names, and you go back in history, there's some big names on there. And the first one I want to mention, Mike Craig, who won the Tampa Supercross in 1994 for his single event uh, win, is the father of Christian Craig, who has won Anaheim 1-250 class. So I thought that was an interesting stat. Kudos to Mike for winning uh, his single event. Also, Pierre Carsmaker, who won Daytona in 1974. Pierre is uh, credited with being one of the founders of motocross racing in the United States who helped bring the sport to the American market. A few of the racers that stood out to me were uh, current Dakar Rally racer Andrew Short, and uh, he won his one Supercross at Seattle couple of the other riders that stood out to me are riders that we're unfortunately not seeing at the races any longer, and that's Blake Baggett and Zach Osborne. 
For some reason, I thought both of those riders had gotten more wins in their career, but each one had only gotten one win throughout their career. It's interesting when you look back, and one of my favorite ones to talk about, because I remember watching this event, was Ricky Ryan in Daytona 1987 when he won. He won the race as a privateer, which is his only single win in Supercross, but he also won the race without a knee. He basically had blown his knee out in practice leading up to the event and still raced it in the rain, I should mention, because it was a wet event, and went on to win the Daytona Supercross. So kudos to Ricky Ryan. We'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto today, Ben Glotty, newest racer, fast young racer for the Robum Engineering Apria team for 2022. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you. It's good to, good to be talking to you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we want to congratulate you for some successful seasons. Most of all, you're moving to Twins Cup for 2022 in Moto America, and we're pretty excited about that for you. A new platform and a new bike. So uh, congratulations on that, man. Yeah, thank you. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting this season underway and you know, seeing what, what we can get done. So I know Apulia is the newest uh, kid on the block, as they like to say, in Twins Cup. You know, the bike was introduced, I think, last season and uh, had a very successful, I'd say, first season going one and two in the series. You got to be excited about working with that new machine. And, and have you, number one, have you had, had any time to spend on the bike yet? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get riding it. I've ridden it one time so far and you know i really liked it and just kind of you know keep testing with it and getting ready for the first round here what is the first round i don't think twins is is racing daytona this year are you guys uh gonna hit the first round i think is what in april no so we're actually we're going to daytona this year um moto america took over the 200 so they're having um the baggers twins and super sport race at daytona this year all right. So, which which class will you be running at uh, at Daytona? The Twins Cup. Oh, okay. So they are running Twins Cup. I, that's what I. That's what wasn't sh- uh, clear to me. I was uh, looking all over the internet this morning trying to trying to find that out. So, is that uh, have you ever ridden Daytona? And is that somewhat of an intimidating track for you? No, I've never ridden Daytona. Um, I've been there a handful of times to watch and whatnot. But I'm pretty excited to go there, and you know, I think it'll be a pretty good track for the Aprilia. And yeah, just looking forward to it. Hey, Ben. So again, congrats on that new signing with the Robe of Engineering team. Man, you have to be excited to land on a team like that. Well, they got one-two finish in the series in 2021 with their riders. So, I mean, was that a big part of your decision to go to that team? Yeah, you know, that was definitely, that didn't discourage me from, you know, reaching out to them and trying to trying to get on their team for this year. And it kind of all just fell into place and, you know, talked to the right people. And, you know, I ended up ended up being able to join them for 2022. So I noticed noticed recently you also raced the uh, so you're down in Florida from what I understand and you raced the Corey Texter Winter Throwdown flat track races. So how did that go for you? And uh, what 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 was it like uh, getting back to your roots in flat track racing? Yeah, I mean it was it was good. Um, it was my first time back on a flat track bike since I rode an '85, and you know just kind of getting used to things at first and kind of picked it back up pretty quick. And I made uh, one of the main events on. Friday night, and then on Saturday night, I was able to make both the uh, 450 Amateur Main and Open Am Main. Sweet. That's such a fun form of racing to watch, and I got to imagine being on the track again has got to be great to be in the middle of winter. I'm kind of curious, Ben, uh, 
on coming up uh, through the Junior Cup, uh, are there any racers that you've raced against that are moving into Twins Cup with you? You know, familiar competitors that you've raced with? I know Blake Davis is um, moving up to the Twins Cup this year. I think Gus Rodeo is as well. I think he he might be. Um, but yeah, I think you know a lot of these guys I've raced with in the past, whether it was club racing or at Moto America. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So of those guys, let me ask you, and maybe it's not one of those names you mentioned, but uh, who's been your toughest competitor so far as you've come up in uh, up through road racing? Let's say not uh, not flat track racing, but up through road racing specifically. I think road racing. Uh, the biggest competitor was definitely last year um, with Tyler Scott. Me and him went back and forth all year. You know, it's kind of he would win one race, I'd win the other. And me and him had the biggest rival rivalry last year. So why do you think it is that uh, so many of these great road racers in America often come through that flat track from that flat track background? Of course, the, you know, the great Nikki Hayden immediately comes to mind. Why do you think that's so? I don't know. I think, you know, when I kind of stopped flat tracking, I just, I don't want to say kind of losing interest in it, but, you know, I was just kind of, kind of want to try something different. And I think that's kind of what, what a lot of it comes down to, you know, you, you're going left the whole time riding flat track and you do that for so long that you just kind of get bored of it and want to try something new. And then, you know, a lot of it translates with feel and all that over to road racing. So I think that's, that's a big part why a lot of flat trackers can kind of switch over to the road race side of things and be pretty successful. No doubt. And uh, you see so many instances where the skills translate from flat track to road racing. And I think you're a great example of that with what you've done so far in your career. We're, we're really looking forward to what, you know, what you're going to do next. Uh, and I'm kind of curious, a uh, young man like yourself into road racing and, and uh, probably focused on that pretty heavily. What do you do for off-track hobbies? What do you do to occupy your time when you're not uh, racing or thinking about racing? Uh, well, yeah, I'm still in school, still in high school. So I got to got to keep up with that. Um, but I do a lot of mountain biking and, um, you know, when I'm back home, I snowboard and ski quite a bit. So, you know, just kind of do as much as I can. So Ben, you mentioned, I don't remember where I read it at, but you, you mentioned that your home track people at the, the Penguin Racing School and the, uh, Loudoun Road Race Series have been a huge part of your success. So tell us about them and, uh, what it is they've, they've done to help you in your program through the years. You know, when I went from flat track, you know, I was still, I was pretty young. I was 12 years old. So I started racing like KLX 110s and CRF 150Rs, um, like on go-kart tracks. And Eric Wood, who owns Woodcraft Technologies and the Penguin Racing School, he uh, he gave me the opportunity to go ride at um, a track in New Hampshire called Canaan Motor Club. And that's where where everything kind of started with the whole road race, road race start, side of things. He kind of paved the way and got me in to New Hampshire Motor Speedway at uh, 13 years old. So I was the youngest one to ever race there. And he kind of coached me through the whole thing and helped me out. He still helps me out quite a bit. He comes to a lot of the races with Moto America. And him and John Grush were definitely the two that kind of got me where I am today in setting me up with the opportunities that I've had. I think I saw where that Penguin Race School is actually a cool little uh, fact is that it's the oldest motorcycle track school in the USA, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, yes, it is. Pretty cool. So, Ben, you got to be excited. You've got a new teammate for this year, Teague Hobbs, who's got some time on the big bike. Uh, have you guys spent any time together or done any training together getting ready for the new season? Not too much this year. We haven't spent a ton of time together, um, but 
we, me and Teague were actually teammates a few years ago in the Junior Cup, riding under Dale Quarterly with the Quarterly Racing Team. Even before that, with coming up through Eric Wood and everything, Teague's from New Hampshire as well. So we grew up racing through Loudon together and, um, you know, even racing the minis and stuff on the go-kart tracks, we, we were racing together. But I think we have a couple of tests here coming up soon with the team. And uh, I know me and Teague work well together, so I think we'll be able to help each other out throughout the year. And together you make the team stronger, which is always a good thing. So I'm kind of curious, Moto America has been growing over the last couple of years and they've added some venues to their program. I got to gotta wonder what your favorite track is, favorite one to compete on out of the entire series. My favorite current track that we go to is um, probably Barber Motorsports Park, but my, my all-time favorite track um, is Sonoma Raceway, which unfortunately we don't go to anymore. So too bad. Uh, Barber was kind of a kind of a messy one this last uh, end of last season. What was that like for you, man? Yeah, Barber was pretty wet. It uh, it rained all three days there. It kind of sucked, but you know, I guess it made up for the last couple seasons we've had of dry racing. You know, we haven't had a wet race in a couple years until Barber. So, you know, I think it was good. It kind of separated the field a little bit at you know who would run up front in the rain versus the dry and just kind of came down to technique. So what are some of your goals coming into the 2022 Twins Cup class? Obviously the main goal is to win the championship, but um, you know, it's kind of kind of everyone's goal. I just I want to stay consistent and you know, stay up at the front consistently being on the podium and uh, you know, just set myself up for the best possible situation to win the championship at the end of the season. Awesome. And we look forward to seeing how you're going to do this next year. We're going to be watching for you as we follow Moto America very closely here on Pit Pass Moto. So we're excited to, to see a new young rider in the series, man. It's going to be great. So uh, unfortunately, Ben, we're running out of time here today. So we want to take the last few moments. If uh, there's anybody in your program you want to give a shout out to and thank them, now would be the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, my mom and dad, stepdad, stepmom, you know, everything they do for me is is amazing and you know they helped me out a ton the whole robe engineering team for giving me the opportunity this season and yeah my entire team from last year honestly because you know they they killed it with everything and without them i wouldn't be where i am today and just everybody else um awry helmets and moto liberty just yeah everybody thank you guys awesome and last question is best place to find you social media and on the web if there's a way to look you up and uh, have people follow you yeah, on Facebook, it's Ben Glotty Racing. Um, and then on Instagram, it's Ben Glotty underscore 72. Those are the two best accounts uh, on social media. Thanks for spending time with us today, Ben. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you again to our guests for being with us today. And thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast listening app. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our latest blog and our brand new Pit Pass Moto store. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm Dale Spangler. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto.
Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!